Alec Junis with his 12th rebound. JV running the floor. Welcome to Lithuania. 9-0 run. Ty's happy. And the Raptors are up by a dozen. Raptors, by the way, third best team in the half court. CJ Miles is on fire in the fourth. The Nets were sizzling to start the game as DeMarco DeRozan comes in. Best shooter in the league. For the latest news in Raptorland, it's the Jurassic Pod with Josh Lewenberg and Gareth Wheeler. This is Jurassic Pod, and it's brought to you by the number 50, as in the Raptors have reached the 50-win total already this season. Gareth Wheeler, Josh Lewenberg with you. What's up, Josh? This is a big day, Wheels, and I don't just say that because the Raptors have 50 wins, but after at least five years of having to listen to me complain and bug them. The Raptors... At least five years. At least five years. Underline, exclamation point, exclamation point. The Raptors are reluctantly hosting the first, probably not annual, media game this evening. Well, okay, I'm playing. Okay, let's just tee up what's to come because we're going to talk about Dwayne Casey. We're going to talk about who's the most improved Toronto Raptor. Yep. And Josh is going to present his own NBA power rankings, and we'll spin you around the league. And we're going to talk about the media game. Right. Well, that's where we'll start. I am playing in said media game. Tip-off is in about 90 minutes' time. And apparently it's Team Lewenberg against Team Wolstat. Yes. Talk about everyone. J. J. Lou and the Waz, captains. I just feel like everyone that's going to be in that gym is going to be losing the bet. You're either going to have to play for Josh or play for Ryan Wolstat. That's not a win. Well, no. If you're on Team J. Lou, it's a win. Like my boy Freddie, I will be betting on myself, and I encourage you to do the same. Are there stakes on this game? bragging rights, man. Listen, I've been talking a lot of smack, and I I played ball yesterday and played like hot garbage, so hopefully I got that out of the way. Uh, I I need to back up my words today. I need to show up. Okay, who's playing in this game? I'm just showing up. I know that you and Wolstad are playing. Who else? Uh, So TSN is pretty well represented. Dwayne Watson will be there. TSN team? No, no. There should be. Okay. Uh, TSN versus Sportsnet? That would be pretty cool. Versus Team Other. Versus Team Other. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, there's like some Raptors social media guys playing. Okay, they'll um, be good. A few of the NBA TV Canada guys. We got Akeel Augustine, yep. Randy Urban. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bruce Arthur. Bruce Arthur is playing. Isn't he like 52? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> according to Bruce Arthur, Bruce Arthur is the best. So I'm, Well, I'm, at what? Just ask Well, at everything. <laughs> but hey, oh, jab, jab. <laughs> Okay. See, Team J, I've already got a draft strategy. You like, do. I, I want, I want guys who know their role, stay, are going to stay in their lane because that's I, me. because that's not me. I'm not going to. My usage percentage, my usage rate is going to be very high. Oh, so I want guys that are, that are going to have low usage rates. When I play in my men's league, like. There's a reason why I back off and don't play on a regular basis. One, the worst guy to play with is a guy that takes it way too seriously. That would be me. And, becomes, and probably was, too. And becomes a threat to others on the floor. Well, see, that's not me. So I'm going to deal with my, believe me, so one of my buddies always says, the thing that I need to work on is competitive indifference. I don't understand the phrase. I think it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. You're either competitive or you're not. But I deal with it in a semi-healthy way. Whereas the was, if things aren't going well for him, and they won't be, He's going to be punting the ball across the gym and yelling profanities. What is this, a wrestling promo here? We, on Tuesday, nights, on Tuesday nights, the Waz and I play 
in a gym, in a church. And he's yelling words that should never be uttered right, in a church. Right. Do you see crosses start burning? Yeah. <laughs> like, basically. Okay, so the worst guy is the guy that, and, and if you're listening, I guarantee if you play in a league, you, you you face these guys. So the guy that tries way too hard takes it way too seriously. That's me. And the second one is the dude that does not come off. Like, you shouldn't have to have a coach or anyone. It's just use your best judgment. If you see someone else has been sitting out for a while, let them on. If you're tired, get off. It's that guy that stays on the floor. It drives me crazy. Well, first of all, I don't get tired, so there's that. Second of all, we were talking about this off air. It's great in theory, like every week. So, I'm, I, like I said, I play on Tuesdays. Some weeks I, I'm feeling under the weather or I'm tired. And in theory, going into these games, I always say, okay, well, today I'm going to take it easy. Hopefully we have subs. I'll come off the floor. But that competitive spirit, man, once I get out there, the juices are flowing. I don't, I don't want to come off. Oh. You have to drag my body, my corpse, off the floor at to for, get me at, off at of for, there. Like you and I are teammates in life. And now I don't know if I want to be teammates in this media game with you. Oh, well, that's, not up, like, to, that's not up to you, my friend. I, maybe I won't draft you after oh, all. Oh, God. Were you thinking <laughs> about drafting me? Well, I, right. Listen, I, I want to... I, I, I want to... Do you have your power rankings? Media member power I, rankings? Not written down, but I've got it in my head. But I want to... Rep- do, you, do you pick guys I, who... I want TSN to represent. I'd love to have okay. Dwayne Watson. I'd love to have you. Do you... Are you, are you going to go out and draft guys because you think they're good or you like them? That's the tough one. Have you, not heard, would... have you not heard a word that I've said, Wheels? Competitive spirit. I know. I just... I'm not drafting guys that I like. I'm not going there to have fun, Wheels. Oh, God. Well, actually, I'm going there to win, which would be fun. This is going to be But I'm going there afternoon. to win. Uh, this is going to be downright awful. Yeah, you're going to have a terrible this time. This just in. Da-na-na, da-na-na. <laughs> uh, we'll bring you and uh, we'll bring you a complete update on how things go next are week. We, are maybe, we streaming this thing? No, but maybe you should do a post game interview with said MVP of the day, and we'll play it on next week's podcast. Maybe An interview with that. myself. It's not going to be. I guarantee it will not be you. You'll be good. Stakes. What, let's, it's, it's what are the like, odds? What are the odds on that? No, let's place a bet. It's because you're like you're bigging this game up so big. I think I'm the hype man. Crack under the under the pressure. The the pressure might be too much for you. Josh. Maybe that's why I'm happy I played yesterday and got the uh, the nerves out of the way. All right. Uh, so that's Josh Lewenberg, the cockiest pl- uh, person playing in the media game later on. Unless today. Nigel Hayes is there too. <laughs> <laughs> he can play on my team. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, look. This podcast, the Raptors should put us on payroll. Not not because we wax poetic about the team. It's because since the inception of this podcast, they've only lost once. And this trend continues another 3-0 week, including the marquee win over the Houston Rockets. Before we talk Casey, improved players and all that, I mean, just another solid week. Yes, the Knicks and the Nets are horrible basketball teams. But what everyone's going to remember about this week, it's the week the Raptors arrived on the mainstream. And that all came from that win last Friday night in H- or against Houston at home in what was a phenomenal ball game, Josh. People are talking, man. People are talking. Lee Jenkins of SI wrote that uh, extraordinarily uh, column on Dwayne Casey's journey to the Raptors last week. Then you got a uh, deadspin runner, uh, writer coming around calling them uh, very serious title contenders. Uh, what else? Uh, they climbed to the top of John Schumann's NBA.com power and rankings. Sports Illustrated, CBS Sports, like various. ESPN, Zach Lowe wrote another great piece 
on the Raptors and the basketball, yesterday. And the former players have now come around to believing in this team. And well, not, not not if your name is Paul Pierce. Yeah, but, okay, Paul can be that guy. That's fine. You're, you're always going to have that one guy. But in large part, because they've been seen much more over the last week or so, I think everyone is kind of coming around to what we've been saying and seeing for months now. Which is inevitable. When you once you see this team play, you're like, okay, I'm not looking at the names on 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 the box score. You're watching to see how they play, how they play together, how there's different players that step up, and how they work as a team. And 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 that and from the experience and seeing them, then you realize how special the team this actually is. Well, like I would have argued in the past that they should have been paid more attention to than they were. Of course, but there's always been an excuse not to pay attention to them, whether justifiable or not, whether it was Mm -hmm. they weren't good for a long time, they weren't fun for a a long time, even when they were good the last few years. And then, of course, there were many, many years in franchise history where they weren't good or fun. Now they're both like, as you mentioned, they're winning, but they're doing it in an aesthetically pleasing way, a way that great to watch, Josh. Yep. I mean, they've, they've got great feel-good stories all over the roster, from Jonas Valanciunas, who we'll talk about, to Fred Van Vliet, who we'll talk about, to their all-stars, Lowry and DeRozan. DeRozan, by the way, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, just based on uh, the uh, mental health issues coming out, speaking out about that and taking a leadership role in that regard. Like, there, there's positive vibes all around this team right now, and they're making it really tough for anybody to ignore them anymore. Yeah, it's it's impossible. Um, I like the whole style argument as well, because sometimes really good teams just aren't that great to watch. There's great individuals to watch, but this goes 1 through 10. You can make the argument even 11 that this team has really come together. But the signature win was the Friday night game against Houston, and excuses were made. This was three games and four nights for the Rockets. Well, there was three games and four nights for the Raptors as well. Yep. And that first half of basketball where they led the Rockets 57-43 at the break, I mean, that was almost a textbook half of play. And yeah, they had to hold on at the end of the game. It was Drake night. There was a buzz in the building. Drake was on the mic saying the 17-game win streak for the Rockets was going to come to an end. Like, that was a perfect half of basketball. Also, on and off the floor. How bold of him. They were up by, what, 16 points at that point? Granted, it was still, still early, early still early in the game. But what do you, was that scripted or was he ad-libbing? Because, ad-lib. Because Total ad-lib. If, if they would have been down, if the Raptors would have been down by, like, 20 at that point, I'm not sure he would have come out on the floor and guaranteed that <laughs> no. win. No, of course it was ad-lib. But he was reading the room, and that's what this city, and that's what Raptors fans need. A a, a little bit of a hype guy to help continue this fan base and this organization puff out out their chest. Because Dwayne Casey and some of the guys, they'll downplay big wins. Of course, that's what their job is all about. Yeah, Dwayne Casey doesn't exactly have hype man written all over him. He's going to manage expectations, and that's what a head coach is supposed to do. But it's okay for the rest of the Raptors world and fan base and having a guy like Drake stand up and have a little bit of swagger. That's what I feel like this organization needs right now. They're showing it on the floor. Now they need it off it to continue to ramp things up as we push for the playoffs. Yeah, you got to be a little bit careful about that. Screw we, it. We, we've, we've seen what, ha- what <laughs> we've can happen. We've been careful for years. We've seen what can happen with the uh, Spike Lees and Reggie Millers of the world. You don't want to uh, get 
the wrong guy riled up. I almost expected James Harden to drop like 60 points and to come out after the game and say, you see that, Drake? But <laughs> See, but times have changed, right? When Spike Lee and Reggie was going on, it was a very different time. Now everyone is friends with everyone. Like, Drake yeah. is hosting NBA award shows. Come on. There might be friend, friendly banter, but it's not like I'm doing that to spite Unless that you're Sergi Baca. But no, no one does even. Everyone. <laughs> it, 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 it depends. Yeah. Yeah, I was on with uh, Taddy the other day in Hamilton, and uh, he asked a question about, like, the, the, the edge that the Raptors have and, and uh, how they don't all, all these guys don't always need to be liked, want to be liked. I'm like, yeah, I don't think Sergi Baca has ever had that problem of, of needing to be liked. And, but, um, uh, in ba- Baca, in fairness, he has been out of the starters. Well, right now, like if you're going to go with this JV, DeRose and Lowry, those three have been doing work. Yeah. And a Baca is just kind of being that fourth wheel, right? Like, I don't even know if I can call it disappointing because he's just doing what he has to do. Block shots here or there, help out on rebound and be able to spread the floor a little bit, at least be a three point threat. But a Baca has been a little bit streaky over the course of the season. He's gone on some runs where he's put together some really good games consecutively. Then at times, and even over this recent and streak. I think you say he's been okay, but nothing that jumps off the page. I feel like outside of DeRozan and Lowry, he's the guy that will judge most come playoff time. I mean, there are other guys that are going to need to step up come playoff time, but with Ibaka, that was sort of the idea when they acquired him, right? He was supposed to put them over the top. He didn't really do that last year, and it was tough to do just based on the situation coming in midseason, not having time with Lowry, but he's an older guy. Uh, he he's presumably at least on the downward end of his prime, right? Um, he's sort of picking his spots, and we could see that throughout the season where when he's got more rest or in bigger games, he tends to show up more. And that's the, going back to the rest thing. There's no back-to-backs in the playoffs. They're going to have at least a day, sometimes two days in between games. So ideally, like this is this is a good setup for Serge Ibaka. Right. They're going to need him to be at times the third scoring option, but more than it, more than that, they're going to need him to be the rim protector, the defender, the tough guy. That I think. I, I mean, I could forgive a subpar up and down season if he has a big postseason. And I think most Raptors fans probably feel that way as well. And he brings a little bit more edge to the team. Like Kyle Lowry has that edge. Fred Van Vliet has emerged to have a little bit of edge. But I think it's okay to have a little bit of nasty in your team. Like It depends which week you you ask me about that, right? right? Because sometimes I'm like, man. Surge, cool, oh. cool the hell down. I'd, I'd be like that about Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, yeah. too. It's like, guys, pick your spots a little bit better. But at the same time, and I agree with you, I look at the alternative. Would you rather have a team that's soft, that no, no one is afraid of, that, that people push around? Like, the Raptors were that team for many, many years. And I would take Sergi Baca on my team over Andrea Bargnani seven days of the week. Would you draft Sergi Baca on your immediate team over me? <laughs> well, yes. He is a better outside jump shot than wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Among other things. But you like me more than Serge Ibaka. I like everyone more than Serge so, Ibaka. <laughs> well, maybe not everyone, but you, <laughs> you get the point. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to quickly reflect on the week that was. There's not a whole lot to get into, but there is a bunch of bigger picture storylines when it comes to this team, as in the head coach, Dwayne Casey. He had lock for NBA Coach of the Year. Yes. Who's the most improved? Don't spoil it. I'm teasing ahead so people stick with the pot. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them why it's 
Nets, yes. Okay. Uh, is Jonas Valanciunas the most improved player on this Raptors team? I yes. feel like it changes week to week, though. And Josh will give his definitive top five NBA power rankings as of right now. As we head into St. Patrick's Day weekend, it's a festive edition. Ay, 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 ay. That was my Irish accent, by the way. Right here on Jurassic Pod. <laughs> it's a good win. I mean, it's a good, just a good mark. It's a good milestone for us. Um, it's just a good thing for the franchise. But, you know, we have bigger bigger things to fry, bigger fish to fry, you know, in the terminology. Um, just go out there and, you know, it's, just a, it's another win. It's another stepping stone for our um, organization, for our, our build, uh, our journey. Welcome back to Jurassic Pod, Wheeler and Lewenberg at Wheeler TSN at JLU1050. I always love back in the day you'd have like the festive uniforms on St. Patrick's Day weekend. That was your that was your Irish accent uh, going on. Yeah, that sounds that's Popeye. Yeah, I was like I was part Popeye, part pirate. Uh, it wasn't a very good. And I married an Irish woman, so there you go. That's what I've gained from her. But each and every year, I love, I love the St. Patrick's Day themed uniforms. Why was the St. Patrick's per Day parade in Toronto last weekend and not actually on St. Patrick's Day, which it comes and falls on a Saturday this year? Probably for the same no reason the Santa Claus parade is like in in August, basically. Isn't that for TV? It's yeah, but it's it's like super early every year, right? And now the malls do that every year I before guess. Christmas too. They got the everyone just needs to chill out and, and yeah, not. Not overdo it, right? Was, you just wait to the day to celebrate. I was thinking about this, and we're going to continue to look back, but the Raptors played the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday afternoon at the ACC. That could be a it's rough a 1 one. It's a 1 p.m. tip. That It's going to be rough for for us on a, an hour pregame show. Are you kidding me? The day after St. Patrick's Day? Do the Raptors have any Irish players? Well, that's what I was wondering. Would there be a player on the Oklahoma City Thunder that would go out, maybe indulge a little bit too much into St. Patty's? Is Russ a big St. Patty's guy, maybe? I don't know. That's what I want. It could work to Toronto's advantage because it's a big night in the city. Like, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, maybe not on par with Dublin or with Boston, but this is a good city to go out on on St. Patrick's Day. So that could be a fact. It will be a factor for me. Hopefully Dwayne Watson can keep us together come Sunday afternoon's broadcast on TSN 1050. Um, I just wanted to spin back to that Houston game because a couple things stood out from that marquee statement win for me, Josh. Uh, Number one was the play of Kyle Lowry. And we were just chatting about Ibaka picking his spots. Is there a player in the Raptors? Like, there isn't a player on the Raptors who's gone out to pick their spots more than Kyle Lowry. Because come prime time, come that Friday night game, he was an alpha. He was an aggressor. He had three-point shots early and often. Ended up 7 of 9 from distance. Good for 30 points. He was outstanding. And I just love the fact that when that switch needs to be flipped... He's still able, capable, and willing to do so. Well, that's what you love about this Raptors team, right? Because they've got the veteran star players that are capable of recognizing when they need to flip on that switch, and they're not dumb enough to burn themselves out at, at this point in the season. Well, because uh, there's doing other players it. that can pick up their slack. Too. Right, and that's, trust. that's sort of where I'm going with this, is then they also have guys who are have those young legs and... and Maybe are a little naive enough not to flip on and off that switch. They just always go. They play at one speed, whether it's Van Vliet or Siakam yep. or Pirtle. So it balances itself out, right? Good because way of putting it. even on the nights where Lowry and Ibaka are like, all right, it's the Knicks, whatever, um, it's it's March, 
it, it happens, right? I know people are critical of that, like expecting these guys to play hard every night, and they do play hard to a degree, but at the same time, like you're not going to go out there and play like it's Game 7 of, of the conference finals in a game against the Knicks on March 1st. It, it, like Realistically, it's just not going to happen, you know? So, to See, be I, able... I think players should play that way. Um, they I can't. Think, like no. it's... I, I'm with maybe not game seven, but at least game one of a playoff series. But with this team, you have other players to back you up. Um, how you perform in the regular season, it builds habits towards the playoffs. And I just completely disagree with the sentiment that teams can just flip the switch and then poof, all of a sudden that they're rounded into form. Like there needs to be gradual build, progression, and an identity established within the right. team. So maybe I should clarify, like specifically with Kyle Lowry, there are games, not many of them, because Lowry, I mean, he he's a hard worker. He plays hard. Uh, Sunday morning there are in New some, York. <laughs> there are some games, a few of them, where you can see he he's just not giving it to them. Sunday morning, the first half against the Knicks. Daylight saving. Like, c- compare Kyle Lowry to play first half of that Knicks game versus the first half against the, right. against the Rockets. Okay, so they, you, you get a few of those, not many, fewer than most players where he's just not giving it to you. He doesn't have it. But what, what I mean by not going game seven conference finals mode, what I'm saying is there are nights where Kyle Lowry's like, all right. I'm going to play hard, but I'm going to do it in a way that is going to get other guys involved. Exactly. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to do it. But maybe not in, like, attack mode. I'm not letting my – I'm putting the team on my shoulders tonight and doing this on, on my own, lifting it. Like, I mean, that that is rare. That's mm-hmm. – at this stage in his career, I think that's something that hopefully we see in the playoffs. That's something that we've seen in big games like the one on, on, uh, on Friday against Houston. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a guy like Fred Van Vliet who gives it to you every night. Now, mm-hmm. when Van Vliet is 31 turning 32, like Kyle Lowry is now, we'll see if he's physically able to do that, especially at his size. It, I, that's why I say it. it's understandable with a guy like Lowry, but it's it's great for the Raptors that have a little bit of both. You've sure. got the guys uh, that can turn it on in big games and then the other guys that are going to bring it. Sort of no matter what. A, a couple other things we got to fly, but um, Lowry and Van Vliet did such a great job against Chris Paul. Like overall, over the course of that night, picking their spots. Also, to keep in mind about that win, snapping a 17 game winning streak. Let's drill that home. The longest winning streak that the Raptors have snapped in franchise history. Well, how many, you know, that, that's a misleading stat for Is me. It? How many teams go on a 17 game winning streak? It happens. How often are you playing teams like that? Come on. It's very rare that a team will go on a streak that long. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But good one. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. No OG Ananobi, no DeLon Wright. And that's huge. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Talking about making excuses for Houston three games before and whatever. No like, Ryan Anderson. The, the Raptor, yeah, the, the Raptors were missing two of their better peri- uh, perimeter defenders going up against a team that has two of the best perimeter players in the NBA. Bingo. And that's because DeMar DeRozan was outstanding defensively that game. Yep. And what about JV, just doing the little things right? And this is what we pointed out post-game, and, and, and we talked about this on our broadcast on Sunday, Josh. Valanciunas had a steal, a massive block, was able to catch what was a poor inbounds play with seconds to go and nailed both of his free throws. That was just... That highlighted just how far Valanciunas has come from a point where last season... He wouldn't play in fourth quarters to where he's a key component to victory over arguably the best team at that point in the NBA. And even the next game 
on Tuesday. Tuesday. He was huge. It, like He's having fun, Josh. Oh, my God. He looks like a different guy. The Nets game on Tuesday was interesting to me because, I mean, it wasn't interesting in the way that the Rockets game was, obviously. But that's another example of a situation where... Even last year, you're playing against a team, good, bad, or whatever, a a team that throws out five smaller players, small shooters, and JV's gone. That that essentially chases JV out of the game. The Raptors did say they made a concerted effort, if if for no other reason than to sort of give him a boost of confidence and to test him out in that scenario. They made a concerted effort to leave him out there, to sort of give him that trial by fire. Um, Now... There are situations where the Nets exploited that mismatch on their end, certainly in the first quarter where they burned them with the three, simply because, I mean, JV has physical limitations where he's a little bit slower to rotate, close out on those guys. But ultimately, he made him pay on the other end, and in the second half, we saw adjustments made. And that's something, I mean, JV has adjusted and adapted this year to the new offense, to the way teams are playing him, to the way that the NBA is today, to the point where, like, I very rarely look at him anymore as a liability on defense. He's making it work. He's gotten much better as a rim protector with that verticality protecting the bucket. Um, And he just looks, as you mentioned, Wheels, like a confident player to me, a guy that, in my opinion, is the most improved player on the Raptors. And how crazy is that? Because we ran that poll in the broadcast against Detroit last week. So so who who do we put up there? We put up DeRozan, Siakam, Siakam. Pirtle, and Valanchunas. And both of us had the same answer. The only reason why we came left Van Vliet to the side for that pull is because he was predominantly with the G League Yeah, we just year, didn't really D-League see him, team. so it's yes. not a matter of improvement as much with Van and Vliet as it is getting the opportunity. Both Siakam. of us said Siakam, yeah. but, but that, that Houston game on Friday was enough to convince me, at least for the time being, that I was wrong. Not that Siakam isn't improved, because he is incredibly improved, but uh, Jonas Valanciunas went from a guy that was borderline unplayable in in a lot of different situations a guy that most people were clamoring to be thrown out with the bathwater just a few months ago a guy that didn't fit on this team and dump his salary yada yada to a crucial part of of their success let let, let me ask you this i mean the month of march has been his best statistically i mean he's been double figures each and every game he's been huge this month and what i like is a the Brooklyn case for me is interesting as well because he was playing undersized fives in Dante Cunningham and Quincy Acey. And in previous years, Casey would try to match up with the other teams. Now it's like, okay, you deal with our guy. So you suggested a lot of Raptors fans wanted to see JV out. I was hearing a lot of Raptors fans saying, well, why isn't Casey playing him? Well, that was so like was, was that JV... was like two years ago. It's no one. It's it's really funny. And I wrote this, I think, at the beginning of the year. JV essentially had been the same player for like four or five years. And that was what a lot of the concern was over. It was like, okay, he hasn't gotten better. He has this year, of course. But for the first five years of his career, he sort of, I mean, he plateaued for a while. Uh, yet, despite how similar his skill set was from year to year, opinion on him would change on a dime. It went from, why aren't you playing him in the fourth to, why are you playing him at all? He doesn't fit. Trade him. Get rid of him. Well, I, I and back and forth. See, and, and, and hear me out here. I'm of the mindset that Valanciunas has always been a good player. You need to work on some things. Now he can hit a three. Like he's worked on his game, which has helped him improve. But the context 
and the team around him. It's a much more balanced starting five when Ananobi's in there, yep. providing a little bit more of a defensive presence. The fact that he doesn't have to play insane minutes, he gets requisite rest because he's another proper backup center in Jakob Pertl, who brings something different to the table. Like, for me, the context where Valanciunas is playing now allows him to succeed, and now that Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff apparently trust him a whole lot more. That's big for a player and his confidence and his mindset, too. It's just the perfect storm around him providing the context for him to do what he's doing right now. Well, I think there are a few things here, right? Because Am I off base in, in suggesting No, that? no. I think you're completely bang on. There's just a few factors, right? I think like the, the improvement, the, the work that he's put in throughout the years, not just this year, throughout the years on his three-point shot, which now... He's been given the green light to take. I think that's a big deal. The fact that he's sort of slimmed down, gotten quicker. He's worked on How the much thi- has he lost, Josh? Do you I, know? I don't know. He. I, I asked him before the season. He said, like, not that much. That Maybe just, like, five pounds. He's moving better, but though. But he said that it's sort of the way that he, like, the, turning some of that body fat into muscle and, and um, getting... Just getting quicker, like working yeah. on his footwork and stuff like that. It's a matter of taking what the team has given him, right? Doing the things that they've asked him to work on, working on them, and getting better at better at. So there's that. But then I also think, and this is something that we talked about, he and I, before the season as well, is he was super excited to hear about this new offensive system. And at first you think about it and you're like, hmm. Well, that's kind of weird because the new offensive system is going to be predicated on ball movement, passing, and three-point shooting. And prior to this season, neither of those were seen to be strengths of JV. If anything, they were both weaknesses of JV. So he he and DeRozan were the two that I looked at and said, okay, well, they're going to be the guys that suffer most in this new offense. But one wrinkle we didn't consider is in the way the offense is free-flowing, it's sort of all-inclusive, right? It's not one guy has the ball. It's everyone's touching the ball. Even if they're only touching it briefly, it's giving everyone an opportunity to make decisions. And JV, he, he, he's blossomed in that role, handling right. the ball at the top of the key, at the top of the arc, making decisions, whether it's handoffs. or They're actually calling... That was a big thing for Raptors fans the last few years, is why aren't you calling more plays for JV? Why... Isn't he posting up? He's actually posting up even less this yeah. year than he has before, but he's touching the ball more. He's making Last those year they, decisions. They, they were forcing him to touch the ball early. Then they go away from yep. him, and JV just wouldn't be a factor. Right, after. whereas now it's more consistent. <laughs> in the flow of the he's, he's always yeah. involved in the flow of the offense. And to your point, Wheels, doesn't that, doesn't that make you more confident as yes. a player when you're involved more and you're not 100%. being ignored? It's, it's awesome to watch, honestly. Um, one other factor we didn't bring up, it's spite. He has to be mortified what's going on in his home country of Lithuania with LeVar Ball bringing disgrace to his homeland. Shout out to those two guys wearing Lithuania shirts. You know what? I think game a couple weeks ago. From what awesome. I hear, I think he's pretty happy about it. Really? Because if oh nothing, people people gross. are talking. Any publicity, I guess, is a good publicity. People, oh. are, people are talking about Lithuania. An enabler. Uh, when we come back, some significant injury news from around the NBA. And is Dwayne Casey a shoo-in for NBA Coach of the Year? All that coming up. Let us know your thoughts as well at Wheeler TSN at JLU1050. This is Jurassic Pod. Uh, but, you know, there is that thing hanging over them that, you know, they've been eliminated. And, uh, you know, the last few years, 
by Cleveland. And then the previous year to that, they got swept by Washington. So they got some things to prove. I don't care what you say. They do have things to prove. Final segment of Jurassic Pod, Wheeler and Lewenberg with you. I think this episode's gone well so far. You're happy? You're good? I'm happy, man. Dude, you're I'm, in the zone. You're like... I'm raring to go. I told you. The competitive indifference, that's not a term that I'm familiar with. I, I'm i ready to go. I'm ready to play. Josh is like wearing his like Adidas track pants yeah, right man. now. He is ready to ball out. Okay, let's go straight to this whole idea of the Coach of the Year talk. You've, your most recent piece on tsn.ca is all about Dwayne Casey kind of resetting expectations and about what he's doing and about how he's really, in your opinion, a lock for Coach of the Year. The master motivator, Dwayne Casey, it's funny because... We we hear from Casey regularly. He speaks multiple times on game day. How likable is Dwayne Casey? Man, like, everything that's been written, some of the interviews he's done as of late, I'm just like, yes! We're at a high time for Toronto coaches, whether it be in terms of quality of, of performance or quality of individual. And I think Dwayne Casey checks both boxes. Likable, yes. But what I've always said about Dwayne Casey is he's a very, very smart man. So while absolutely he's personable, I, I do think uh, no, nobody loves dealing with the media, but he more than anyone has embraced it. Um, it's but part of the job. It's I mean. part of the job. He understands that. He respects what we do. We respect what he does. But there's also like an element of using the media, right? Because Casey, sure. like any other coach or, or executive, they've got an agenda when they talk to us. So a lot of the time, the things that he says to us are things that he's trying to either get out there, fuel the fire, or even just um, emphasize to his players. So when I uh, I wrote about this earlier, when I hear him talk about how they're gunning for the first seed, I think, okay, well, yeah, the first seed would be useful, but more than anything else, this is a message to the players that this is a tangible goal we're shooting for. We don't want you to lose focus. you got to keep focus, you keep need chugging. Goals. You need goals. You need, you need goals. So that's something that he's done, um, which I think goes overlooked. But also, and this is what I wrote about, I can tell you that privately – as the season was beginning and nobody was talking about the Raptors, everything was Boston, Cleveland, and the East, Dwayne Casey was thrilled. You wouldn't know it from listening to him with us because he was talking about, oh, the disrespect, the disrespect. But that was, again, f- sort of fueling the fire. Privately, totally get it. Privately, he was thrilled because he knows his team. He knows the players on his team. Looking at the roster from top to bottom, like Casey, a lot of these guys have an underdog mentality. A lot of them, all of them basically, have had to prove people wrong along the way. And rightly or wrongly, Casey has always believed that his team is at their best with a chip on their shoulders. So he's happy to take that perceived slight, throw it up on the board as bulletin board material and say, hey. Nobody's talking about you. You're being ignored. But now times have changed. So he has to adapt. In the same way that he's had to adapt on the floor. And we all know that he has. And that's a big reason why I think he will win coach of the year. But now he's had to adapt off the floor, right? Because Dwayne Casey's biggest worry as a coach is that he's going to lose the focus and the intention of his players and that complacency, which is human nature, will take over. He guards against that every day. So, yeah, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, the Raptors probably miss being ignored because now he can't go in that room and say no one's talking about you. They're talking about them. So what he's done now, and we we heard this in practice the other day, this was something that Casey brought up on his own. He was asked a question about how the team is going to fare in the playoffs, and unprompted he went into this 
sort of rehearsed tangent about how there's this perception out there that the Raptors, they always flame out in the playoffs and it's not fair, it's not right that they've won in the playoffs, they made it to the conference finals, they've lost to uh, an NBA champion and an NBA finalist in back-to-back years. And believe me, like he, he's got a point here. We This is a stat I've used a number of times this year where only two NBA teams have won more playoff games than the Raptors over the last two years, the Warriors and the Cavs. So he's right. But listen, the skeptics that he's referring to, they've also got a point because while the Raptors have won in the playoffs, they haven't exactly inspired confidence while doing it. So the whole wait and see and and, uh, we'll believe it when we see it, like I, I get that as well. But more than anything else, that was not used as a stop talking poorly about us or stop saying this it's about us. This is a message to his team 100%. like, hey, people are are rooting for you to fail. And that's not the case at all. And that's why Casey deserves a whole lot of credit, not just for his coaching and everything he's done, but he's done the impossible here behind the scenes. He's convinced a team that they've got the entire world rooting against them when now more than ever, that couldn't be further from the truth. Exactly. So that's what a motivator, that's what a leader does. Now now I want to see him have this group puff out their chest and embrace the front runner role. And and that's what I hope they do. Uh, Just a couple other names. I'm not sure it's in them. I'm not sure it's in their DNA to do that. Well, but, but whatever you have to. <laughs> Seriously. No, I like I'm, I'm not sure that you do. If Casey can continue to successfully convince them that like they're the underdog in this situation and he's done that. They haven't been the underdog in a long time. They've been a very good team. They go into most games as the favorite. Uh, Yet Casey again, this is like this is art in terms of motivation is to continue to convince them that they're the underdog that they've got something to prove. As long as they do that, like whatever works for them, man, you don't necessarily have to go into games and say, yeah, like we're the best team in the world. It's going to take some it, listen, as the Celtics continue to experience so many injuries and right now they are banged up. Um as their separation that continues to happen between them and everyone else in the East, um, it's going to be that much more difficult of a task because there's no doubt that they're the creme de la creme in the Eastern Conference. So um, shout out to Nate McMillan with the Pacers, Terry Stotts with the Trailblazers, Alvin Gentry with the Pelicans, Mike D'Antoni with the Rockets. Those would be the other candidates, I'm assuming, based on how well, especially the first three have played, considering where the expectation was at the start of the year around those teams. And Gentry in New Orleans, I mean, he loses Boogie Cousins, and that team has gone streaking afterwards. And you could say Anthony Davis this, Anthony Davis that, but it requires more than just one player to go on a streak like they have without their second-best player. The problem with... NBA coach of the year, and I've been saying this for years, every season we see it more or less, is it's it's not which coach has done the best job or which coach is has been the best coach that, that year. Otherwise, Greg Popovich would probably win it every year. Uh, it's the head coach of the team that's most improved. Mm-hmm. Now, the Raptors are improved and they're exceeding expectations, but if Dwayne Casey wins it, I think it'll be more than that. Like, Nate McMillan, good coach, but, I mean, that's, uh, like, an improved team, right? A, a right. team that has, at least in comparison to what people thought they would be. Same with the Pelicans, same with the Blazers, but Dwayne Casey, there's a story behind it as well. It's not just the improvement, it's the, the implementation of the new offense. It, it's I'm with you. managing you, a you, large you rotation. You don't need to convince me. I'm just providing ammunition for the other coaches around the league. Like, Casey isn't the only one that's done a really good job, but in in my opinion, he's been the best. And when your team is first place in the East, 
and trending the way that this Raptors team is, it would take some kind of epic collapse down the stretch for Casey not to win that award. Uh, we're running late on time, but we got to get to the Clay Thompson injury. Reported to have a broken thumb. He's going to be out quite some time. If you take Clay away from that Golden State Warriors team, if you're the Houston Rockets, are you sitting there smiling right now? Because I know that the, the conversation about the Raptors has turned to, okay, there's obviously LeBron and the Celtics and whoever in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but if they go up against the Golden State Warriors, they have no chance. Well, there's a scenario that could play out where they might not have to face, or whoever comes out of the East might not have to face the Golden State Warriors in the first place. Yeah, well, I mean, let's see what happens. It sounds like there's a chance that Clay could be back by the end of the month, and if that's the case, you got him for whatever it is, a couple of weeks at the beginning Thumb of April dicey, going into the playoffs. Though. Yeah, like that's a shooter, too. Like, I mean, you, you need that thumb, but... Uh, they've got three other all-stars, three other superstars, so... I mean, I mean, Steph has been banged up this year. Yeah. He's been battling an ankle all year. Draymond Green a little bit banged up with the shoulder. So, I mean, their depth is going to be tested down the stretch. I don't know if they care if they finish first or second. No, in the this last. this uh, this could be for the best, both in terms of getting a little bit of rest, uh, while also getting those other guys the depth pieces that they might need in the playoffs, or at least in the future, a little bit more run. And like I've been saying, I'm not worried about the Warriors. I mean, I haven't really even been worried about LeBron James and the Cavs as much as some people have, but obviously, I mean, more so than the Warriors. They stink. But for the, yes, for the, for the, it certainly looks like it. For the state, if for the sake of Golden State, I should say, this season has always been about, all right, right. let's, let's play smart here during the regular season. Uh, let's make sure we're at our best and at our healthiest come playoff time. And that's what it's about for well, them. The- and I still think. Regardless of how the season has played out or continues to play out, it's the Warriors' season playoffs sure. championship to lose. The Celtics, I mean, they're regulars. No one's catching the Raptors. Like no. Irving's out, Brown's no, I think, out. I think, Smart's I think even out. the Celtics, as competitive as, as I'm sure they are, and Brad Stevens Injury's is too many. I man. think even they get it at this point. Like they're a lock now for at least the for the second seed, uh, Cleveland or whoever isn't catching them. Uh, now, Pieces are in the mix, Wizards are in the mix, but yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's time for them also to sort of look at it like, all right, let's gear up for the playoffs. Let's make sure we're ready, not burn ourselves out or, or do anything foolish here to get the one seed because it's not happening for them. The Raptors the Raptors are, are sitting pretty right now in first. We just have a, a minute. Let's do your, your top five in the NBA in what your power rankings would be here today as we head into St. Patrick's Day weekend. Like looking ahead to the playoffs? No, just or? right now. Right now, here in mid-March. Based on who's playing yeah, the no, best I'm, basketball. I'm not, it's not who's going to win the championship based on who's playing the best basketball right now. Who are your top five? All right. Are uh, the Raptors the top of your power yes, rankings? Yes, based on who's playing the best basketball right now. Absolutely. Raptors won. Houston, two. It has to be Houston, right? Right. Uh, Golden State, three. That would be my third, yeah. Uh, maybe Portland four, man. Like they're they're it's coming crazy. on and they're peaking at the right time. They're playing some good two way ball under Damian Terry Lillard Stocks. is being that good. Yeah, another dark horse in the they've MVP won 10, conversation. They've won ten in a row. So the, the Trailblazers would be four for me. Yeah, Portland four, and then uh, uh maybe I guess Boston five. See, I I'm not gonna go the Celtics. They're too banged up. I'm gonna go the Western Conference. It's gonna be the team that's in here on Sunday. 
Oklahoma City. Don't sleep with yeah. them. Russell Westbrook has three consecutive back-to-back-to-back triple doubles. And as he goes, so does that team. Sunday afternoon is going to be great at the ACC. He's got Cannot a chance, wait. that Russ. I mean, the Pacers Thursday night. We're recording this Wednesday, so if you're listening to this over the course of the weekend, the Pacers game will be done. Uh, and they're a team that's emerging in the East. But with all due respect to Indiana, it's that Sunday afternoon game. Mouth-watering, the, to say the, the least. The Raptors are going to be favored in both games, as they should be. But a couple of really good tests for them coming up in the Pacers and the Thunder. Both of them on our air. You can hear it on uh, 1050. Both really good tests for them. Um, and if they win both of those games, they'll have tied the longest win streak in, or sorry, if they win both, I forgot there's a Dallas game in the middle there. Yes. If they win all three of those games, they'll have the longest win streak in franchise history. Uh, busy week for the Raps. Can't wait. Next week's pod, we'll cover it all. We'll take a deeper look at Fred Van Vliet as well. And we'll have a complete update from the media game, which is about to take place. Josh Lundberg feeling the heat already. He's calling his own number. He says he's going to be the MVP. Guaranteed I win. Oh, I don't, that, that, was most, that was mostly a joke, but guaranteed win for <laughs> Team Jalu. Okay, there you. He called his shots, people. He called his shots. Good stuff, Jalu. At Jalu1050, read his fine work at tsn.ca. I'm Wheels at Wheeler TSN. Uh, looking forward to this week of Raptors basketball. Subscribe, tell your friends, listen to it on iTunes. This is your very own Raptors podcast. We like to call Jurassic Pod.